Well, I hope we're doing well this morning. Amen? Are we all right? Okay, okay. Just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Just a quick check-in. We are concluding our series this morning. Uh, Someone cheered and someone was surprised. (laughs) I'm not looking at anyone in particular. I apologize. So my gaze does not indicate guilt or indictment. All right, so just, just I, you know, it's amazing. I have been told, and I don't know, understand, sometimes I forget that I am a pastor, and that with that oftentimes comes some sense of authority. And so oftentimes when I invite people to come to my office to meet with me or whatever else, I oftentimes hear people say, what am I in trouble for now? <laughs> kind of thing. That they kind of view my office as the principal's office, right? That, that you know, I was like, Really? I always thought I'm kind of this nice, gentle, lovable guy, but apparently there must be an aspect that that is not true. And, and so I am, guess I'm not the cuddly bear that I thought I've always been. Um, I'll work. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you, you all are lively today. I love it. All right, back to my original statement. We are concluding the series this morning. And and, and, and not that you need reminder, but let me just say it anyways, that we have spent the bulk of 2022 going through this idea and learning about our identity in Jesus Christ. And remember the reason why we did this, the reason why that we spent the bulk of this year in this series was because we, and I mean me and the other pastors and, and lay elders as well, who were kind of putting this all together and praying over this and really kind of delving into what is God maybe wanting us to to talk about this year. Um, It is fascinating that the reason why we have done this and the reason why we believe that we think this is so important is that who we are is and says a lot about the kind of life that we will live, the kind of relationships we will have, because who we are or what we believe who we are will impact our view, not only of ourselves, but of those around us. And so we thought it is incredibly important, brothers and sisters, that we root our identity in the one who created us. Because if we don't, we as human beings will root our identity in someone or something else. And whoever we root or whatever we root our identity in, chances are that is what or whom we will worship. Are you with me? Right? We see this all the time. And when I mean see this all the time, can I just be like, I'm asking permission, like you're going to give me permission or not. Um, I'm going to say it anyways, because this is part of my cuddly teddy bear persona. Okay. Um, Can I just be honest when I say we have seen those kinds of things where people have worshiped something or someone else? It is not just those who don't know Jesus Christ who have committed this. man, it is not just those who don't know Jesus Christ that have committed this. In other words, brothers and sisters, I hope we realize that as followers of Jesus, we are still sinful, broken people. The difference is we have a Savior that we have put our faith in that can forgive us of our sins, redeem us of those sins, and once again place us under Him, and we can once again root our identity in Him. Let me just say this, 
and this is one of the hardest things as a pastor, and I don't say this often, but I want to say it today. We've been in our young adult group, which, by the way, the young adult group, it's slowly becoming no longer young adults. They're, they're getting older. Um, so I'm going to call them middle, younger-ish adults group. It's a wonderful group, and I love that because they forced me because they, they're a little nerdy. They want to go deep in the scripture. Not that you guys don't, but they like, they want to know like the, the meanings of the Hebrew and the Greek words and all of that kind of stuff. And it just like all the minutia of that stuff, the kind of stuff that even at times it makes my head hurt, but I love it. But we were coming across a passage in Ezekiel and that's where we're in the book of Ezekiel, which is a fantastic book. Um, and, and it's interesting that the people of Israel are being carted off to Babylon for one simple reason, and by the way, this is perhaps the most egregious sin, the sin that cannot be forgiven. Is that the sin of idolatry? Is that which we worship someone or something else and we don't repent of it? That we say that we, you know, and Jesus said, anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit testifies to the fact of who Jesus is. And if we reject that for the sake of wanting to worship someone or something else, that's idolatry. And they're being carted off. And what God says as he's, as this all is happening, because quite frankly, the people of Israel had a hard time believing that this was happening, had a hard time believing that this was taking place because after all, they're God's chosen people. They know God and God knows them. He chose them and they got to worship him and follow him. And he blessed them. He gave them this land for them to live in. And then all of a sudden now he's taking it away. And by the way, in this passage, he makes it very clear. I am doing this. I am the one who's causing this heartache. I am the one who is judging you. I am the one who is pulling you out of this land. Don't blame anyone else or anything else. I'm the one who's doing it. Blame me. Oh, and by the way, the reason why I'm doing it is because of your idolatry. And I say that because I want you to be aware, if at the very least aware. And by the way, this is where the hard part is as a pastor. Because naturally, if we are going through some tough times in our lives, we naturally want to ask the question, is God doing this? And the answer isn't always clear. When we are suffering, the question oftentimes is, God, why are you doing this? And the answer isn't always clear. Need I remind you, look at the book of Job. Right? Job, he didn't do anything wrong. And he still went through some really tough, tough times. And by the way, I, I don't want to be remiss and never, uh, you know, and not miss out. Also, his wife went through the same stuff. I mean, it's just, but I say that to say this, church. If we, as God's chosen people, in other words, God has chosen us, and in response, we have chosen him as well. If as his followers, if as his disciples, if as those who know the truth, commit things, even dare I say idolatry, how do you think the rest of the world is going to respond? How do you think the rest of the world is going to behave? And then we'll look at the rest of the world and go, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. What have we done to contribute to that belief? What have we done to contribute to that belief? There is no person, hear me, and I know you know this. By the way, this is off script. There is no person 
There is no thing that can save us, save this country, save this world, except Jesus Christ. And the moment we forget that, we run the risk of committing idolatry. We run the risk of taking our identity in Jesus and placing it into someone or something. What is beautiful about Israel and what they did early on when they were designing the temple, because it wasn't just that they created a temple and because before that there were no other temples. No, there were temples. And, and if you ever have the, 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 the capacity or even the will to want to read the construction of the temple, which by the way, if you read the construction of the temple, unless you're an architect or a builder or something like that, it's, I'm just saying, I'm just being honest. But it's so interesting about the design of the temple is that other temples of that day, and there were other temples of that day, they were not worshiping God. They were worshiping gods, false gods, emphasis on gods, all right? Is that they were normally rectangle shape, like this. Not that we're, bear with me, okay? Bear with me. Rectangle shapes, it's, in, it's, it's really easy in a rectangle shape to identify where's the front, where's the back, where are the exits, all that kind of stuff. Do you know the early Solomon's temple? Do you know what the shape of that temple was? It was a cube. A cube. Why was it a cube? Because it was a cube because if you know anything, and I don't, but I've just read about it and heard about it and all that kind of fun stuff. I had known just, just enough to be a little dangerous. And, and so is that a cube, you lose spatial recognition you don't know where the front is you don't know where the back is you don't know where the exits are you lose spatial recognition and that's intentional because god wants us to get totally immersed and lost in his presence and so what the people of israel were so good at doing through God's direction and leading, is they would take the things of creation that were oftentimes used in the countries and the people around them, who, by the way, were idolaters, and what the people of Israel would do is they would turn the creations and the things that they were using for the worship of God and turn them to say, no, no, don't worship others or other things, rather worship God. They would take the created things and turn them and orient them towards God. That's whom we worship. That's it. Beautiful picture. And I thought I was going to be short today. Okay. I'm passionate about this, y'all. I'm passionate about this. I grieve where we have come as evangelical Christians of late. And I've talked about this quite a lot. And until we get the message, I'll continue to talk about it. Do you understand who we are in Jesus Christ? Do you understand who you are in Jesus Christ? Truly, do you understand it? My word, you are image bearers of God Almighty. Don't you ever look at yourself ever and think you are ugly. Don't you ever look at yourself and think you are not worthy. You are image bearers of God himself worthy of the respect and honor that is due to you because of the fact of whose image you bear. How dare we cheapen ourselves by pinning our hopes on other people or other things 
How dare we debase ourselves into doing something like that? Shame on us. Right? Shame on us. There's been a lot of prophecy going around of late. It's foolishness. We were talking about this in the young adult group as well, talking about prophecy. Do you know what almost all the prophecies in the Bible start, usually start off with? If you want to know if prophecy is correct, chances are from God or not, most or if not most, if not, dare I say, all of the prophecies that have happened in the, in the Bible, almost all of them start off with this. Repent! For the kingdom of God is near. Whether an old or the new, whether it was Ezekiel, whether it was John the Baptist, whether it was Isaiah, or whether it was Jesus Christ himself, good prophecy, chances are, starts off with, re- with repent. Do you know what repent essentially says? You done messed up. Knock it off. Come back to me, and I'm PG in this thing. Quit saying stupid stuff. I'm sorry, we're in church. Quit saying stupid scubalon. Quit doing stupid things. And I'm using the word stupid. Foolish is another word. It's more muted. Greek and Hebrew is the same thing. Church, we have this unbelievable gift of the gospel. We have this unbelievable identity in Jesus Christ. That's why we spent a year doing this. Is to help us discover who we are in Jesus Christ. To help us root ourselves back into Jesus Christ. Because there are things in other people that want to pull us from that identity. And we need to make sure we are rooted in Jesus Christ. That's what we spent the bulk of this year doing. That's why we spent the bulk of, the, of this year doing it. Clear? So here, as we end this series today, we are going to look at another statement, I am redeemed. However, I'm going to twist it a little bit. We have been looking at who we are in Jesus Christ. Today, I want to end this series by asking the simple question, who is Jesus Christ? In other words, we have spent the bulk of the year looking at our identity in Jesus Christ. Today, let's look at the identity of Jesus Christ, who he is. Does that make sense? So, Pastor Eric last week shared out of this passage, or near this passage, I'm taking the latter half of this passage, and Pastor Eric did a great job of answering the question, what are we rescued from last week? And if you didn't hear that message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Great message. What are we rescued from? Today, the question that is before us is, who is the one that rescues us? Who is the one that redeems us? That is the question that we are going to delve into today, okay? And we're going to look at Colossians, and there's only two things that we're going to see that identifies who Jesus is. Two things in this passage that identifies who Jesus is, okay? And I hope that as we go through this, that perhaps you might be thinking already, Dan, I I know who Jesus is. Really? We got to do this again? Yes. Yes, we do. And if you have a problem with it, come and talk to me in my office, and yes, you're in trouble. (laughs) Okay? Um, 
Yeah, we need to understand and be reminded who Jesus is. The people of Israel needed to be reminded constantly who Jesus Christ is. What makes us think we're any better? We're not. What makes, it, what makes us think we're, we're any different? We're not any different. We need that reminder. So today, I hope that if you might be sitting here asking or saying to yourself, I know who Jesus Christ is, don't tune out. May this be an affirmation to you. If you are here today and maybe you don't quite know who Jesus is, I pray today will bring some clarity as to who Jesus Christ is. And in the end, you will choose to place your identity in him. Amen? We're going to look at Colossians. Book of Colossians is interesting. There's a church in Colossae, which is in the southwest corner of Turkey, that Paul had not planted and he had never been there. Paul didn't plant this church and he had never been to this church. But this church was planted perhaps because of his ministry in Ephesus in which the word of the Lord was spreading and churches were beginning to be planted. And this was perhaps one of these churches planted because of Paul's work in Ephesus. The church here was in conflict because guess what? There were false teachers who were coming in and telling them about who Jesus Christ is. And guess what? They were wrong. They were wrong in sharing about who Jesus Christ is. They were absolutely wrong. So Paul is writing to this church, to these people, to help bring some clarity and encouragement to these Christians by reaffirming to them who Jesus Christ is and where they had first learned who Jesus is from Paul's many followers and those who went out and planted churches. So guess what? This church is having kind of a conflict over who is Jesus. Not all that unusual, perhaps, from many of the things that we might be having and experiencing today. Not necessarily here at Summit Ridge, but certainly, I would think, in the church in general, and specifically in evangelical churches. Who is Jesus? Real simple. So that's the, that's, that's the, that's the context Here's the question. Who is Jesus? Or in other words, when we see Jesus, who do we see? When we see Jesus, who do we see? And the first one is this. We see God. We see God. Period. We see God. Is that not on the notes? Okay. Uh, anyways, that's okay. It's an easy one to remember. We see God. Now, here's what I mean by this. Let's start with verse 13 of chapter 1 that I just read. I'm going to read it again. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, here is the interesting thing about this idea of redemption or being redeemed. Oftentimes, the imagery that we have here is that of being taken over by a foreign force who now not only takes over the land, but then carts us off to another foreign land where there we live, okay? Being redeemed, then, is essentially someone coming in and rescuing us from that foreign land and bringing us back into the land where we were once living and were meant to live. Are you with me? Sounds familiar, I hope, right? 
Here we have at the beginning of creation, there we are in the garden. Everything is beautiful. Everything is wonderful. The animals are getting along. Man and wife are getting along. Everything is wonderful. All that kind of stuff. And then you have a snake that shows up, right? And the snake introduces that foreign invader, which is what? Sin. And then all of a sudden now, we are now carted off or, or, or exiled out of the garden into a land that no longer is our true home. And we have been in this land for a long time. Amen? We have been in this land for a long time. If you have ever felt as though that this world Man, I just don't quite feel I belong in this world. If you have ever sensed that, is this all there is? Boy, I hope there is something more than just this. If you have ever sensed or believed, I just, I, I just don't fit here at all. You're right. You don't. We're not meant to. We are not meant to live in this world as it is in its present state. We will live in a new created world eventually. But right now, we are aliens. We are sojourners. That's our position. We live in a land, we live in a world that we know isn't quite right. We are not meant to be here. Even if it is the only world we know. We know we are not meant to be here. That is the imagery of redemption. That is what Jesus Christ has done when he has come to redeem us, is now he has said, I am bringing you back into this land that you have been absent from for so many years, and I'm going to put you back there because that's where you belong. That is your home. That is where I want you. And that's going to happen. That new creation, a new heaven and a new earth, and one, one day we will once again be back in the garden. Amen? Where animals will get along. Where man and wife will get... Well, there's no marriages there perhaps that helps um i don't know i don't know i'm just saying (laughs) um um, yeah there's there's no grandchildren or anything else like that of grandparents because we're all sons and daughters of the living god man we don't have to worry about anything everything will be taken care of and we will have wonderful times. We will have work to do, but it'll be joyful work. We will have praising to do and it's going to be wonderful. All that kind of stuff is going to be where we belong and we will finally in that moment say, I'm home. I'm home. That's, that's redemption. Now, here's, here's Jesus. Verse 15. The Son, that being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The firstborn over all creation. Now, here is interesting, is that the question is, what does God look like? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever been asked that question? What does God look like? Have you ever struggled to answer that question? Hmm, what does God, what does God look like? What? What does God look? Here's what God looks like. He looks like Jesus. Simple answer. What does God look like? God looks like Jesus. Because Jesus is God. And by the way, he is the firstborn over all creation. Now, there has been some theological discussions over this. 
that has in many ways diminished potentially the deity of Jesus. And by the way, where we get off track real easily, church, and I want to make sure I've said this before, I'll say it again, is when we deny the divinity of Jesus Christ. When we deny the fact that Jesus Christ is fully God, which he is. Never forget that. Firstborn over all creation means he was there and he created it all. He's there. Alpha and the Omega. We'll get to the Omega in just a minute, but the Alpha right now is a good spot to start at. For in him, and here's what verse 16 says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and guess what? For him. Do you know what I think about that when I see that verse? Is I think no matter what, I may be going through, no matter what I may be believing about our world that I may be going through and how awful it may be, no matter what I may even be thinking about our own country and what I may be going through, God has it in his hands. May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me just add a little caveat to that. His will will be done on earth as his will is done in heaven. It's going to happen. What I love about this is that there are things and people who have been created, they don't know what they have been created for. They're going to find out. And it's hopefully going to be beautiful. I mean, there are things and people who have been created that are still trying to figure out, why am I here? Oh, I got an answer for you. And you'll figure it out. Whether or not you realize it, you are a testimony to Jesus Christ himself. All those who are in power currently and in the past and in the future, you're there to give testimony to Jesus Christ. But you might be thinking, well, there are some rulers, hmm, some questionable. Yes, you're right. They will stand, as all of us will, before the judgment throne. And they will be judged. Because everything and everyone is created to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Period. The Psalms even say, if we don't praise God, guess what? The rocks will cry out. The rocks will do it. Rocks! Inanimate objects. They will do it. How, you ask? Because they're awesome. Need any reminder? Look at the mountain after the service. Out there. That's a big rock. That is awesome. They're going to do it. So just remember that. Here's the thing. Verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the... Oh, let me just stop right there. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you realize the reason we are alive today isn't because we have taken such good care of ourselves? That's helpful. Okay? (laughs) That's helpful. I'm not saying... Don't take good care of yourself. Please do. I love you all. I want you all around here. Okay? It is because we are held together. We are here today. We are breathing. We are alive today because of Jesus Christ. He is holding all things together. That's why we're alive. Period. When we see Jesus, we see God. God is the creator of all. God is the sustainer of all. Do you get what the attributes that Jesus embodies 
about who God is, we can now see. That is who God is. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. That's who God is. Period. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now again, there is that firstborn. He was the first one to be raised from the dead. We'll get to the second part in just a minute. He's alive. He is King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who Jesus is. And while we, understandably so, as human beings, in our finite understanding of God and the cosmos and the cosmic plan that is in place, while we as human beings, in our finite reasoning, oftentimes kind of get worried and and kind of quiver and kind of get stressed out and kind of get uncertain about everything, God isn't uncertain about it. Period. Jesus isn't surprised. Ever. He has this. He's got this. And it goes on. And it says this in verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That is Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Did you catch that? It pleased God to put all his fullness in Jesus Christ. It pleased God to have Jesus, who is fully God, come and be here and to show the world who he is. It pleased God to actually reconcile all things. And by the way, all things isn't just us. It is all things. Everything that Jesus created is all things. Alive or not alive. Rocks and animals. Humans and birds. All of that stuff. Air. Clouds. All of it. And it pleased him to reconcile all those things through Jesus' willingness to go and die on the cross. Do you understand, church, that God did not redeem us because out of a sense of just whininess or obligation or just, well, they did it again. (sighs) I guess I'll do it. I guess I'll go down there and redeem them. I guess I don't want to do it, but I'll do it because no one else is going to do it. That's not God's attitude. Do you understand? He actually wanted to do this. He signed me up. Sign me up. Not necessarily going to like it all, but sign me up. Because I love them. And I love my creation. I created it all. That's what Paul is trying to communicate to them is that Jesus is God in the flesh. And so church, when we see Jesus, we see God. Period. I love how one person wrote this. Uh, S.D. Gordon said this, Jesus was God spelling himself out in a language humanity could understand. Jesus was God spelling himself out in a language humanity could understand. Isn't that just beautiful? 
The problem is sometimes I think we complicate things a little bit. We oftentimes make God complicated. God is simple. Right? Sometimes, sometimes I think we need, we need, we need some children's sermons up here. You know what I'm saying? You ever been in church where they brought, where the pastor brings up the children and gives them a, a little short lesson about the Bible? Do you understand that sometimes those lessons are more powerful than anything I could share in a lengthy sermon after that? But sometimes I think we're thinking, well, that's childish. I don't need to, I don't need that stuff. Oh yeah. What did Jesus say about what it requires for us to come into his kingdom? To be like a child, (laughs) to be like a child. I think he's on to something, isn't he? Right. I think he's on to something. I think we could use more children's sermon. Amen. Yeah. You're just saying that because of the length. Don't (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Amen. All right. That's it. When we see Jesus, we see God. Here's the second thing. This is it. When we see Jesus, we see ourselves. Hang with me now. When we see Jesus, I see myself. Here's what I mean by this. Verse 21. Once you all, by the way, the you is not singular. Very rarely in scripture, I've shared this before, I'll share it again, is the you singular in here. It is not singular. It is y'all. Okay? He's writing to the Southwest. You ought to say y'all. Once you all were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Did you catch that? You know what sin does? We think sin is possibly just sometimes actions. No, 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 no. Sin is much more nefarious. Sin is much more deeper than that. Sin isn't just, our actions are just kind of exposing and kind of the, 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 the evidence of the sin in our lives. It is the stuff that's underneath. It is in our minds. It is in our attitudes. That's where sin dwells. It's in our hearts. It's in the very fiber of our, we are born into sin. We are so good at sinning, we do it in our sleep. Right? There are sins of omission and sins of commission. We are so good at it. You know, oftentimes I have to pray when I'm confessing, oh Jesus, please forgive me for these known sins that I've caused. And then I also pray, Jesus, please forgive me for the sins that I've committed that I haven't even realized I've done or thought. Forgive me for those sins too. I am that good at sinning. If you ever ask me what I'm really good at, do you know the answer? Oh, my pastor's really good at sinning. Say that to your people. <laughs> See how that goes over, right? Oh, my pastor's really good at sinning. What? What did you just say? Right? It's true. We're all good at it. We're all really. So Paul focuses in on this and he says, guess what? It's, we were enemies, not because necessarily of our actions, our actions on the outward of thing, outward appearance of our sin that's in. It's because of our mind. It's the way that we have processed. It's the way that we think about Jesus. Here's the thing. That's why it is so hard to root sin out. It's hard. And no wonder by, Paul writes and says, be, be renewed by the transforming of your what? Minds, right? Be transformed by, transformed, transformed by the renewing of your minds. Think differently. Process differently. And in your minds, because of your evil behavior, minds, behavior. But, and this is what I love about this. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's what? Physical body. Physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free 
from accusation. Stop right there. Hold the phones here. Just, just, a, just a quick caveat here. Did you understand how he reconciled us? Through Christ's physical body. And Christ's physical body could not have happened unless Christ was actually in a physical body. Which means he is also fully human. He is one of us. In fact, dare I say, and and Scripture says this as such, that he is the second Adam, the representation of humanity as it should be, as it was meant to be, as God had originally intended us to be. Where the first Adam was Adam, all of a sudden kind of broke that desire, that will, that creative, if you will, intent early on. Jesus is us as God has always intended us to be. So when we look at Jesus, we should see ourselves. Not only our broken selves, because Jesus took that on, absolutely. Death on a cross. Death on a cross. Jesus took that on. But also more than that, is now raised to life renewed, transformed. When we look at Jesus, we ought to see ourselves. I love what Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says this. Rather, Paul writes, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness or fully human. Martin Luther starter of the Reformation and founder of the Lutheran Church, said this, when I look at myself, I do not see how I can be saved. But when I look at Jesus, I don't see how I can be lost. Church, let me say that again. When I look at myself, I do not see how I can be saved. But when I look at Jesus, I don't see how I can be lost. Why? Because Luther was able to look at Jesus and see himself, I believe. To see who he truly is in Jesus Christ and discovered in that, guess what? I am not truly lost. I am redeemed. Blaise Pascal, philosopher, mathematician, Christian, said this, not only do we not know God except through Jesus Christ, we do not even know ourselves except through Jesus Christ. When we look at Jesus, we see ourselves. That's who Jesus is, church. Jesus is fully God and fully human. And none of those are in past tense, by the way. I don't like it when I hear people say, Jesus is fully God and was fully human. No, 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 no. He's still human. Yeah, but Dan... I'm sinful and broken. Yeah, yeah, that's your problem. Jesus can fix that. Jesus doesn't have a problem being fully human. In fact, he's the best of who we are. And if we place our faith in him, we get to realize that. We get to understand who we truly are. Who we have meant to be all along. People who are image bearers of God himself, redeemed 
rescued, forgiven, made holy. And I love how Paul ends this passage, and this is what I think is our task as well. He says in verse 23, and if you continue in your faith, established and firm, I won't get into whether or not we can lose our salvation here and stuff. That's a sermon for another time. 